This is the fifth day of the week in God's created order, December 14th, 2023rd year of our Lord. We begin this morning as we do each morning with George Witten of DorothyNews.com. Friends, learn what this means. Matthew 24, 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. And George writes this morning, and he doesn't write there. <laughs> George writes this morning, Yeshua, Jesus, gave remarkable parenthetical uh, instruction in the middle of the Olivet Discourse in the time of his coming and the end of the age. While it is unlikely that he himself said this, he certainly inspired Matthew to insert, let the reader understand. Concerning this critical event prophesied by Daniel, the abomination of desolation is exhortation extended us, the readers of Matthew's gospel, to learn what it means. Many people have approached me over the years and asked, why do you believe we are in the last days? My response is to the point of Yeshua's words. When you see all these things, Matthew 24, 33, Many of the signs he pointed to are nearly everyday occurrences in the world. That the abomination of desolation is unquestionably a critical crossroads in human history. As critical as indicated by this unique parenthetic exhortation. What exactly are we intended to understand? The Feast of Hanukkah is instructive about it. A Greek monarch named Antiochus Epiphanes sacrificed a great swine at the image of Moses and at the altar of God that stood in the outward court and sprinkled them with blood and sacrifice. He commanded likewise that the books by which they were taught to hate all other nations should be sprinkled with broth made of wine flesh. And he put out the lamp Called by, called by them immoral, immoral, which burns continually in the temple. Lastly, he forced the high priest and other Jews to eat swine flesh, according to the ancient Greek historian uh, Diodorus of Sicily. His intention was to eliminate the worship of Yahweh, the Jewish Sabbath, the biblical worship, by desecrating the altar and destroying the Torah scrolls in the temple, so as to erect an altar to Zeus, the king of the Greek pantheon. The act of desecration has been historically referenced as an abomination of desolation, thus becoming a type of future event prophesied by Yeshua in Matthew 24. The Maccabean revolt recounts the virtually miraculous victory over Antiochus by a small but relentless army of zealous Jews. Many are familiar with this narrative. Yet, there are events that took place during Hanukkah that aren't widely spoken of. A recently published book written by the writer, or by, by a reader of Worthy News, The Last Days uh, Pride Parade, The Last Days Pride Parade ebook, details some of the strange 
cultural shifts taking place today that reflects the times of Maccabean revolt. There are elements and seasons in history which seems to repeat. We should take note of this. Friends, may we suggest that let the reader understand points to this prophetical historical parallel between Antiochus and the coming man of sin who will perform the final um, abomination desolation. The signs of this eventual eventuality are growing by the day. Yeshua wants us to learn what this means. To grow in exciting realization that we're living in the last paragraph of the age and that the Lord's return is at the very door. This understanding shouldn't paralyze us with fear or cause us to hide away, but rather to light the fire, light a fire, pun intended since it's festival of lighting candles. Since a sense of divine urgency about the hour in which we are living, Daniel said, and the wise among the people shall make many understand prophetical parallels, provide an excellent opportunity to do just that. Your family and the Lord with much agape love, George, Batrevka, Obadiah, and Elena, and this is another fine day in the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity this morning of coming together once again to learn your word. Open our hearts to the things we're studying this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, we got to get out of here early. Got a meeting this morning. So 630 is a wrap up regardless of where we are. Um, and thank you for George very timely this morning on, uh, on this, this prophecy and really, and some connection with what we're talking about today. Let's go to Matthew 22 4. Matthew 24, again, he sent out other slaves, uh, other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared a dinner and my oxen and my fatted livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they did not pay attention and they, and they went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized the slaves and mistreated them and killed them. And, uh, we spoke yesterday that, um, this has occurred and this is the apostles, the, the, the 12 apostles, they, each one all murdered, including Paul, uh, except for John who, um, who went, goes on to write the book of Revelation. He dies, uh, I don't know what John dies of, maybe he dies of natural death death, but he was the only one that wasn't killed, but he did suffer throughout. Um, okay, then uh, moving on. But the king was enraged and sent his armies and destroyed those murders and set the city on fire. A.D. 70 was, we saw the destruction of the temple. And um, then, then we'll move on to, then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but there those who are invited were not worthy. Listen, um, bears, bears repeating because the false doctrine is out there. We live, we are living in a church age. Christ did not abandon his. Yesterday, you could go back to Jeremiah 31. You could go back to yesterday with George Witten. God has not abandoned his people. There is still a plan for Israel. 
Um, if your church is preaching this, then I'd say uh, there's some repentance uh, that should be involved because there are churches out there that saying that uh, the church is the new Israel, that Israel has no relevance anymore, or the nation Israel. This is false doctrine, it's false teaching, and and um, and it should not be tolerated. Um, certainly, the Jews had, and and where we are at right now, we need to look at Scripture. And what Jesus is teaching from a perspective of the Jewish mind for the completion. There are still seven years. There's still seven years of history for the Jews to complete, to complete, uh, Daniel seven, uh, Daniel 70th week will complete that 490 years. So the AD 70, up to AD 70, it was the second chance for them to, to acknowledge Jesus as their Messiah. And when they rejected it, it um, it it meant the end. And AD seventy was the destruction of the temple, and the Jews were dispersed out throughout all the world. So uh, Matthew twenty two eight. Then he said to his slaves, "The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy." And um, and again, uh, a reminder that this doesn't mean they were unworthy at that time. They were worthy with the fullness of time when um, when Jesus came. When he came, the from Matthew and uh, Matthew three two, John the Baptist was preaching. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, or as you were. Um, he was he was preaching that, but he was also preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus began his ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, this was a message to the Jews. The comprehensive they were looking that their good news for the Jews for Israel, their good news was the coming of the kingdom. That is not our good news. Our good news is believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We're not going out preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I believe that um, that has been a misnomer. I think that has been a a distraction from the from the gospel. We're many many churches are busy going out and whitewashing the devil's world <coughs> and they're preaching a kingdom now theology. Which I also will will stand to say that is a wrong um, wrong perspective. The kingdom is still promised to the Jews, but it's been postponed. Notice that after after the uh, when we get to Matthew 13 and after, we no longer see in the the message of the kingdom as far as repent um, for the kingdom of heaven as a hand. In fact, it's further away now because it. The parables, he's now speaking in parables, kind of, um, in, in story form. So he's saying that they were not worthy. It was offered and it was not worthy. Um, it wasn't offered to the world. The kingdom is not offered to the world. It's still offered to the Jews and, um, it's only been postponed. There's a different kingdom we're talking about that we are going to be co-heirs. With Christ when he comes to rule the world. But this kingdom, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, that celestial kingdom, 
um, and inheritance and the borders by which is going to be in the Middle East. So let's move on. So their hearts were to be prepared for the coming of the kingdom. That's what John the Baptist was doing. <coughs> and his his uh, message on to repent, to turn your heart, to, to change your mind. Metanoia means to change your mind. Change the perspective on how you've been looking at the, at the world, um, and your life. Uh, I, I see it as 400 years of no prophecy from the closing of the book of Malachi in, in, um, in the Old Testament. And then coming up to the Greek New Testament, there, there is 400 years of no prophecy. Now people, May have seemed like they've they've forgotten. They it and so much time. There's complacency. There's so much time that well, go on and live like the world, look like the world, act like the world, um, and and while in kind of like in saying while in Rome, well, while in being ruled by the Romans, act like Romans. So there was, uh, I'm sure there was a lot of apostate, a lot of drawing away. From the Lord, well, now, uh, now here it is that John the Baptist is saying, "Repent, turn back, turn back to what you used to think about the kingdom, your anticipation. Um, turn back and away from your sins." That's what John's baptism was all about. It was a baptism as to identify them with the coming kingdom, not with the old things, but with the new things to come, the kingdom. And um, as Christians, let's talk about a Christian perspective. As we are, and, and Jews, their and the Jews mentality, and their failures and their success, whatever it is, we need. And this is why we study about the Jews, because there's so many parallels. You see, they they were deemed to be unworthy. Wow, what a what a sorry commentary that is. But as Christians, we are expecting the coming of the Lord. We're, as, as Christians, our anticipation is not with the kingdom, but with the coming of the Lord in the clouds that we leave in this earth. To, we, our anticipation is with the body, as a body of Christ, as the church, to be taken from this world, to be united with our bridegroom in there. That's what we are to be ready for. And we don't know what day or hour, actually, that's going to be prophetical. But even now, the, there is the eminency of the rapture that could happen at any time. The early Jews understood this, or early Christians understood this. And they they looked forward to that, that, that time coming. We should ourselves, every day, we should be anticipating. How much time do you spend today? You woke up today. How much time do you spend today in God's Word? How much time do you spend in, in, in meditating on spiritual stuff? How much time do you spend serving the body of Christ in one capacity or another? Um, let's just say living, Tim, I know, living in the light of eternity. With the anticipation that today, though today the rapture could happen, with the anticipation that we could be absent in the body, I could walk out of the house, kiss my wife, get in the vehicle, 
even before I get to the vehicle, we I, we could be wrath, wrath, whisked away from here. Or what? We don't know when that time is coming. We just have to be ready. So as Christians, what are we looking for? Are we looking for the establishment of the kingdom? No, we're not. We're looking for the rapture. We're looking to be taken from this world and to be uh, reunited with our king. Do we still study these things in the event? Absolutely, because there are things that we need to, to know about it. So right now, each day is the shedding off of the old man. It's conforming to the image of Christ. That on that day that we might not be put to shame on, there was a story of an old man who, um, he's always wearing a suit. I, I, I might be butchering this up. It's been a long time since I've wore it. And, um, he's wearing a suit. He's always, and somebody asked him, why are you, mine kind of reminds me of the guy who used to be at Ashland Village, always wearing a suit. And somebody asked him, he goes, why are you always wearing a suit? He goes, because, um, because today I, you know, today I might die. Today I, I want to be at my best. And, he, um, and to see the Lord. And he said, well, you know, well, I, and all I'm saying, he, he goes, you see, um, I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. You know, and that, and that should be us. We should be getting ready, being ready. So we don't have to get ready because there is not going to be time. So we are already blessed and therefore we live our lives worthy of our calling. Okay. So, so much is taught on the subject of being ready and so much is lost when we are not in the posture of readiness. So if I, if I teach anything else tonight, today, in few minutes that we have left, we've got 11 minutes, just hold that, is that each day is a day of preparation. We are the bride, and we're getting dialed up to meet our bridegroom. Second Peter 3.13 says it, But according to the promise, we are looking for a new heavens and new earth. In which righteous dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you will look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of the Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul. And um, so, again, we stay ready so that we'll have to get ready. And also understand this, at some point, Christian, we are going to stand before the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to have to give an account for what we have done in the body. This day is coming, and this day is for sure. As sure as, as sure as, uh, tomorrow, even more sure than tomorrow. We don't know if tom- tomorrow's not promised to us, but for sure, there's coming that day when we are going to have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ to give an account, each of us Christians are going to have to give an account for what we have done in the body. Um, and again, we don't want to be deemed unworthy. We want to be deemed worthy of position and honor and glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, so Israel at this point, going back to our context, Israel at this point was not worthy. The citizens of the kingdom were not compatible 
with that glorious kingdom coming yet. They still had to this day, and to this day, they have a heart of stone. Okay, but there's coming time in Ezekiel 36, 26, that the Lord's going to take that heart of stone away from them and going to give them, you know, his heart. And that's going to be a great thing. So that's going to be a, probably at that point, um, I believe that that's when they're going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we know that's a key officer because the Lord said, until you say this, um, you know, when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that's going to be that day. So Matthew 22, 9. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Okay, we're going back to the wedding feast. Um, go to the Great Commission for a moment. We'll go to Matthew 28, 18. And um, on, on a Great Commission, the word goes out beyond Israel and to the furthest reaches of the world. And so often we think of this as uh, the Great Commission as the response to Israel um, and and the, the word of God going out into the world. But let, well, let's look at tw- Matthew 28, 18 for a moment. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Curious that it doesn't say, go out and make converts. Go out and do the calling. Go out and call others. You see, it is not they that are they're, that they are called to go out and teach, to prepare, to to um, instruct, to disciple. And I, I say this, or why does it belong there? Because I say it's not these people that are going out, but it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the calling. It's the Holy Spirit that's draw, that's doing the converting. And um, yes. Do, do I say that we don't evangelize? Certainly we evangelize. Certainly we go up because the gospel is the power of salvation, uh, first to the Jews and to the Greek. And, um, it is through faith, is through hearing, hearing comes through faith and faith, faith from the message of Christ. But to go out to all the world and to talk, tell about Jesus and, and instruct them on, on who and what Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit is actually doing the work. With the, with the human spirits there. And, um, so we spend a lot of time beating the, beating the bushes for converts, but how much time do we spend teaching Bible doctrine and preparing people to receive the kingdom, to, to, to receive the kingdom, to, to know their Jesus when he comes? And, um, but once again, there, when we look at the gospels, we can set aside some of the, uh, we could see some things alluded to the church age, and we can make some applications, I think. But historically and in contextually, I still think as Jesus is teaching, while he may allude some to the church age, he's still speaking 
take a look at these parables. It may help us to understand quite more. Know that the church is taken out. If if we're dispensationalists, I am. I believe at some point that the the church is going to be removed from this earth. And at some point, the church age will stop. The church age had a beginning. That was the the day of Pentecost. It's going to have a, an end. The church the church age will end with the taking of the bride. It's done in the that seven years. The clock will pick up. But that that insertion of that seven years, I believe, is not seen historically or contextually as Jesus is teaching. It's like here here is going to be the destruction of the temple. Um, there's going to be those that's going to go out into the world. The temple's going to be rebuilt. Um, and there, but so those, those that go out in the world, I don't believe that, that in context, that's the calling out of the church. I used to, and maybe, and I'll, I will, I will say that I will concede to be wrong if I, in the future, I, you know, so I'm, I'm apt to change my mind on this, but I don't think when Jesus talked about the, about going out into the world and calling our, to the streets and by the ways and all that. Let's let's look. I'll tell you what. I don't think I've read that passage. Let's go back to that passage for a moment. And um, it says, Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. The slaves went out to the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. I want us to think about this, uh, like Chuck Mexler says, do your own homework on this. But I'm starting to lean toward the fact that um, the church is already out. And this is the evangelism of 144,000 Jews going out into the world. And, and in, the, in the time of Israel, in this time of Israel, there's the, I think in the tribulation on top of persecution, that there is also going to be a great evangelism. The, uh, the, these 144,000 are going, uh, and Arnold Forkenbaum said they're already in place throughout all the world because the Jews are displaced. And those 144,000, they don't have to go. They're already in places around the world. And I believe the, that gospel is going to be heard from all over the world also before the world comes back or the Lord comes back. Um, and when we say come back, we don't mean come back for his church because we're already gone. He, he didn't come all the way to the earth. We left the earth. The church left the earth and was united with the Lord. When we come back, when he comes back, he's going to come back with his saints. So at this time, there is a great evangelism and there's going to be believers. Um, there's going to be Gentile believers, believers like, first of all, Abraham, Abraham, was not a Jew when he converted. Abram was, Abram was a Gentile. He was in, in Genesis chapter 15. We read that Abram believed in the promise of God and it was credit for, credit to him for righteousness. We have other Gentiles in the Old Testament. We have, um, we have the women that are listed in the um, in the genealogy. 
We have Tamar, who married into the family of Judah. There is Rahab, the prostitute who hid the spies, also crafted into the plan of God for Israel. Ruth. Let's take a look at Ruth, one of my favorite passages here. And my time is just about up here. And let me read Ruth here. And here's Ruth. But Ruth said, Ruth, Ruth's a Moabite. And what she's saying to her mother-in-law, Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Um, so we have there, we have the, so there are, um, there are believers throughout, Gentile believers who grafted into the plan of God and, um, for, for Israel, uh, for Israel. They, and even in Egypt. And during this time, during this time uh, of uh, the, the tribulation, I believe it's going to be a showdown just like it was with Moses. And with Pharaoh, with God and those false gods. Moses, uh, uh, these 144,000, I believe, are, are going to be signs and wonders. It's going to be their calling card, just like the calling card for the apostles. And they're going to be presenting the good news that the kingdom is at, ha- ha- at hand once again. Um, that, um, to make ready and, in the midst of hell going on all over the world, there's going to be a that evangelistic push, and many many Gentiles are going to respond. And but at the same time, false teachers will be all over the world as well. And while the these hundred forty four thousand will have miraculous signs and wonders, there's going to be also the um, false teachers that's going to have their own signs and wonders. And so it's going to confuse the populace. And some will be believers and some won't. Um, when it comes to the sheep and goat judgment, that is a judgment not between the church and and um, unbelievers, believers and unbelievers specifically. There, it's a the goat and sheep judgment is the is um, the Gentile judgment, the Old Testament, uh, the tribulational saints. Of that time. So anyway, my time is coming. Uh, I hate to leave it at that. I wish there was more time to teach on that. But let's just say, from that perspective, and the church is gone. There is evangelism going on. And coming back to our passage on here. So I see in, in Matthew 33, or Matt, Matthew 22, as you were, that Go therefore to the main highways. The church has come. The church is gone. And so as one complete narrative, there was the rejection. Go therefore on the main highways and as many as you find there invite to the wedding feast. And there, there is that historical interlude that stops the seven years. There is evangelism in the church age, but those that are receiving the call from the Holy Spirit who believes and trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't become Israel. They become the church. The church, um, the church age believer is not Jew nor Gentile, not male, female, not slave or free. We are grafted into the body of Christ. Okay, so 
things to work out on, things to think about. Do your homework on this. Um, look at the perspective of that. And, um, and I think for me, it answers a lot of questions. I keep working on I hope you do too. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Blessed Heavenly Father, with everything that we do, may our hearts be directed to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.